the Senior Golfer Advisor, dedicated to helping you, the senior golfer, drive it longer, play better, get healthier, and enjoy the game. I'm your host, Dean Davison. Let's get started. Well, hello, all senior golfers. So I recently put out a request several months ago for topics for the show, and the number one response that I got back was fitness. And specifically, you all were asking about flexibility, you were asking about power, and of course, injury prevention. So it kind of funneled into all those three. So I want to thank you for those responses. We'll continue to seek your input because we want this show to be for you, and we want the topics to be relevant. So today... The show is in direct response to that request. Our guest is Katherine Roberts. Katherine has been voted by Golf Digest two straight years as a top 50 fitness instructor. You know how Golf Digest has the top 100 golf instructors? Well, they all also have the top 50 fitness instructors, and Katherine's right at the top of that list. She is the founder and president of Katherine Roberts' Yoga for Golfers. And I've been aware of Katherine for a couple of years now with her yoga work for golfers. She's an absolute expert on yoga fitness for golfers, but she also is very knowledgeable about how the body moves in the golf swing. So she brings that unique perspective, that unique combination. Today, as we do on each show, we're going to focus that expertise, our guest's expertise on the unique body challenges of all of us, the senior golfers. So in Catherine's words, we can play better, play stronger, and play golf longer. I like to say, for the rest of our life. So, Catherine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dean. It's great to be on with you. Uh, we've been chatting about this for a while, so I'm, I'm glad we can make it happen. And I'm also really excited that the number one topic that your listeners were interested in is fitness, because it is so important to, as you mentioned, you know, my tagline, play better, play stronger, and play longer. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to dive into that in detail today. So I always like to get right to the heart of it with a question. Let's say you meet a couple of senior golfers. Oh, let's say uh, you're standing in a Starbucks. I know there's lots of good Starbucks up in Vancouver. So you're standing in line with some at Starbucks and you just meet people and they uh, find out that you're in the yoga fitness business for golf. And they ask you, how can yoga for golfers help me as a senior golfer? You got just a couple of minutes in line. What are you going to say to them? Well, it's funny because I have had people actually stop me in coffee shops who recognize <laughs> me from the golf channel. There you go. And they ask me questions like, what can I do for my back? You know, my hip hurts. I'm losing distance. You know, I don't have the same endurance that I used to. I get tired around the 12th hole. It is quite common for people to stop me and ask me questions. But, yeah. you know, to answer that question, what can yoga and yoga for golfers do for the golfer? And I think the answer is numerous. The low-hanging fruit that people consider or they think of when they think of yoga is they just go straight to mobility and flexibility. And generally, as we get older, we tend to lose flexibility. So obviously, working on your mobility through yoga is something that will absolutely happen. But a couple of other things that people don't really realize about what yoga does for the body and for your game as a golfer is it will make you incredibly strong. And how it does that is it uses the force of gravity, as many senior people can relate to, the force of gravity, sometimes not being a good thing, but 
it's in this scenario, the force of gravity is very good because it enables you to use your body weight against that force of gravity. Mm-hmm. And that makes you stronger. And specifically in golf, there's something called ground reaction forces, mm-hmm. which is the ability to use the force of the ground to push off away from the force of gravity to create these ground reaction forces. And that is that is really how you generate power. So we've got the mobility flexibility piece, the strength and the power piece for sure. The other thing that yoga and yoga for golfers, our program specifically does, is it helps you with breathing and it helps you to maintain focus. And one of the things that we do when we teach yoga for golfers, and by the way, we have instructors in 40 countries now, Dean. So we're a worldwide global organization at this point. One of the things that we do is we use the context of yoga to teach our athletes how to stay focused, to be present. I've heard this numerous times about Tiger Woods is that he never, ever, ever thinks about the last shot. He's fully present on the task at hand. And that task at hand is that shot that's directly in front of you. And you know, you have to be able to do what's called withdraw from the external forces, move into one pointed concentration to be focused on that single shot. And that's what we teach our athletes to do every day in yoga for golfers. I'll give you kind of a quick example of not being fully present. You know, let's say I'm walking up to a shot and I have a five wood in my hand but I really know I need a three wood. And as I'm walking up to the shot, I'm not fully present and fully focused because I'm still thinking that, you know what? I didn't really make the right club choice here. And so even just something as simple as that, or maybe you've had a bad shot, you're walking to the next tee box and your head is down and you're angry because you're still thinking about that last shot. You know, these are the kinds of very uh, real-time scenarios that we teach our athletes to, to deal with and to handle through the use of breath, which is the common theme through the practice of yoga. Yeah, boy, I can see if I'm one of those senior golfers standing in line at Starbucks, I, I don't want to stop this conversation. I, I, I want to ask you if uh, you're going to be hanging out here for a while because I've got a lot more questions. So we have the magic of the podcast. We can do that. When was it that you uh, made the decision or determined that you wanted to take your expertise in yoga and help golfers with it, particularly senior golfers? I've always been involved in fitness, played all sports my whole life. I was a group fitness instructor. My first job was in a gym. So I've always been involved in health and wellness and, and fitness. What happened was I had a corporate job. I worked for a big Fortune 500 company in sales, and I was the district manager for the Southwest, and I was playing out at Desert Mountain in Scottsdale. You mentioned that I'm in Vancouver, but my this is my summer home. My main home is in Scottsdale, Arizona. Makes sense. And I was playing out at Desert Mountain, and I was playing to about a 26 to 28 handicap at the time. Mm-hmm. The woman that I got paired up with for the round of golf was a five handicap. And I thought, okay, whatever she's doing, I need to be doing it. What is it? And it was yoga. And she was a yoga Hmm. instructor. And of all the different types of fitness that I've done, I had never done yoga. Hmm. So that was back in about 1998. And that was pre-yoga studios on every corner in North America. Yeah, that's right. And so what happened was I just... I. I was just smitten with the practice of yoga and I actually quit my corporate job to teach yoga full time, Hmm. which in in hindsight was a pretty dumb thing to do. (laughs) That's a pretty big risk. (laughs) Yeah, it was quite a big risk. And what happened was I was teaching yoga at a lot of facilities in North Scottsdale where people play golf. And my classes were getting filled up with primarily men, 
mm-hmm. who were over the age of 50. Yeah, and they were coming back to me and they were saying, you know what? I can play golf every day now and I don't have any pain. You know, I'm, I, I've got my distance back. I'm more focused. And I had this aha moment in 1999. And I said, I'm going to start a program called Yoga for Golfers back in 1999. And let me tell you, people thought I was crazy. But, you know, I really started it, Dean, because I wanted to bring the benefits of yoga to a demographics of people that would never step foot in a yoga studio, which are primarily men over the age of 50. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to, you know, first thing is nobody wants to be embarrassed. They don't want to be next to a woman that has, you know, no, no, no spine or ligaments who moves like a cat. Uber flexible. <laughs> right. When they can't bend over and touch their toes. Yeah. And, and so what I did was I, I dived deep into the biomechanics of golf. I know the environment because I've played golf. I know the culture because I'm from a golfing family. And so I just, I determined to start this program to help golfers play better primarily, but also to have greater wellness off the course. So it's really twofold. And you know, I get emails from people every day that say, I used to be in so much pain. I, I, you know, if I was playing in a golf tournament, I would start taking Tylenol four days before. That's how they prepared. Yeah. And now my clients are pain free and they continue to play better and continue to enjoy the game that they love. And, and that brings me a lot of joy. So that's really the story about how I started yoga for golfers and yeah. why I did it. Well, lots of lots of benefits there and certainly a lot of inspiration for for seniors that there could be a, a very, very good path for them if they were willing to put in the effort to do it. Yoga for golfers. So you claim that that's unique. It's unique. It's a unique methodology. Tell us just a little bit more about why it's unique and specifically why it might be even better for senior golfers. Well, it's unique because it is designed and founded in the biomechanics of golf. So I teach yoga. I also teach uh, classical Pilates, but my degree is in chain reaction biomechanics. Hmm. So the development of this program and the continuous development of yoga for golfers is founded in biomechanics. One of the reasons why it is so good also for senior golfers is because the way that the, the, the methodology is presented is it's presented in building blocks. Hmm. So for example, I'll say, you know, we're going to do this specific movement, this specific pose. And I start out with the foundation of that movement. And I say, if this is good for you, stay here. If there's a little bit more, you can add this movement. If there's a little bit more for you available, then you can add that movement. So it, it makes the program accessible to all varying levels of fitness. And I just want to share a quick story. So I teach a lot up at True North in North Scottsdale. I had a gentleman in my class who was 71 years old. He was an orthopedic surgeon. The guy was from Denver and he said, you know, you're kind of the last stop on the train for me. My partners want me to have back surgery and I really don't want to do it. So I said, do me a favor. I said, hang in with me for four weeks. We do two classes a week for four weeks. And after the four weeks, his pain was reduced by about 80%. And the feedback that he gave me, and this is why this is applicable for senior golfers, he said, not once, never did you offer a movement that I couldn't do. Yeah. And here, and here's a 71-year-old orthopedic surgeon wearing a back brace coming to my class. Hmm. So I really want to get across to people that, that, again, the way that it's taught is in building blocks, so it's accessible to everybody. 
And the other thing is, is that regardless of where you think your body is and where you are taking your mind to thinking that, oh, I'm too old, it can't change, that is not true. I have seen tremendous change in my golfers, even my golfers that are in their 70s and their 80s. I can share with you too that I've done a little yoga through the years and not all yoga is created equal. In fact, I've, I've found myself getting hurt a few times in yoga because two things. One is not having that building block approach. So the instructor was really trying to, I think, move us a little bit too fast or certainly me yeah. a little bit too fast. And yeah. then the second thing, and you brought it up earlier, is that in the classes I was taking, the majority of the people attending were women. There was no way I was not going to try to push myself a little extra hard (laughs) to be able to get at least somewhat in the same positions they were. And that was a big mistake. I ended up hurting myself and then I had to be on the shelf for a couple weeks before I could go back to it. So uh, it sounds like you're very, very sensitive to that sort of psychological need that people have as they're trying to learn something new like yoga. Yes, one of my guiding principles for instruction as well as all of my certified instructors is we have to find people doing things successfully. Even when I'm doing an assessment, because I always do a physical assessment on all of my clients, Mm -hmm. I'll always point out three things that they're doing well before I point out something that I think we can work on or maybe something that isn't moving as well as I would like it to be. You know, when people experience success, then it's motivating for them to continue. And that that also brings me great joy. You know, think about this too. If you think about going and taking a golf lesson, when's the last time you, and this is not to bash golf pros by yeah. any means, because I work with all the golf pros. Right. But if you, and, and not all golf pros are created equal, sure. like all yoga instructors. <laughs> exactly. But I, but I feel like sometimes if I'm going to take a lesson, I'm a little bit nervous because I'm waiting for them to find what I'm doing wrong. Hmm. And very often they'll initially point out what you're doing wrong versus what you're doing right. And I really like to catch my clients doing something successfully. Yeah, I mean, from a motivation standpoint, that's very important. And you don't feel like you're, you're defective in some way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you're more, exactly. incl- more inclined to want to go deeper. A couple things I'd like to clarify for the audience. Uh, some may know this, some may not. They may have questions. But what's the difference? Uh, first of all, let's talk about biomechanics. What exactly does biomechanics mean when we're talking about the golf swing? So biomechanics really refers to, and this is a this is a broad stroke generalization because we could talk about biomechanics for days and days and days. So and and how I look at the body as it relates to biomechanics, and then we'll bring it right to golf. Good. I I look at the body as a, a chain reaction, a kinetic chain, mm-hmm. so that everything that's happening below in the body is affecting something above, and everything that's happening above is affecting something below. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example about that. A lot of golfers have low back pain. Right. And actually, the I believe the recent statistic is 63% of golfers will experience low back pain. I'm one of them. So when right, so when someone comes to me and they say I have low back pain, I might not necessarily quote unquote I'm doing an air quotes treat the lumbar spine and the low back. I'm going to look at the function in in the hips and I'm going to look at the function in the thoracic spine. Yeah. So meaning what's happening below in the hips and what's happening above in the thoracic spine can have a direct impact on what's happening in the lumbar spine. 
Now let me bring it. Now let me bring it back to golf. Yeah. When you look at the kinematic sequence, and um, I'm going to explain the kinematic sequence, unless you feel the listeners really understand it. No, I think that would be helpful. We have a, a wide range of uh, of knowledge levels in this listening okay. audience. Okay. So the kinematic sequence is measured with three-dimensional motion analysis. This is measured through cameras. Uh, one of the best companies that does it out there is a company called KVEST, and I've been working with them for years. Right. And what they, what they have proven is that there is an efficient, and that's the important word, an efficient kinematic sequence in the golf swing. And the, what that means is, is that as you start to begin your takeaway, the first action is an action that happens in the feet. And then, so let's say the lower body starts to fire with the feet. And then it goes to the hips. And then as the hips slow down, then it, then the efficient sequence goes into the thoracic spine. If you're in your mind's eye thinking about going to the top of your backswing. And then when the thoracic spine slows down, then the shoulders speed up and then the hands and then out to the club. So here I am at the top of my backswing. An efficient downswing should start with the feet fire first, then the hips, then the thoracic spine, then the shoulders, the hands, and then the club through impact. That's an efficient kinematic sequence. Right. When we don't have an efficient kinematic sequence, we do things like coming over the top, casting, mm -hmm. early extension, all of these things that we see as swing flaws or swing characteristics, or I just refer to them as an inefficiency in the golf swing. Right. And it doesn't matter what the golf swing looks like. Ernie Els and Jim Furyk have almost identical kinematic sequence and yeah. their golf swing looks very, very different. Yeah. Interesting. So back to the biomechanics when I, and this is why yoga for golfers is so different is that my methodology is based on the kinematic sequence. Mm -hmm. So very many, many of our movement patterns start with the feet and move to the hips and to the thoracic spine and the shoulders, et cetera. And so that's, that's really kind of like the biomechanics. Now, when I'm working with a golfer, I always say, I need to see your golf swing. I need to see driver, seven iron, and putter face on and down the line. I don't teach golf. I will never, ever, ever comment on your golf swing or right. what you should do in your golf swing. I'm simply looking at movement patterns mm -hmm. and is the movement pattern creating an efficient sequence? That's how the kinematic sequence and biomechanics tie into the methodology. As senior golfers, um, many of us have been sedentary for far too many years. Uh, there are f uh, a number of, of uh, the listening audience that have had non-sedentary jobs, perhaps uh, in outdoor work of some kind. But, but generally, as we age, as, as every, everybody recognizes, things are just, the, the body's going to naturally break down at some level. If you have restrictions in those hips, if you have restrictions from injury, perhaps even surgery, are you ever able to, to be able to swing that way again through even yoga as a, as a tool to help them get more fit? Well, I think we need to make certain accommodations for, you know, a, a serious injury. And, and those accommodations can be made by changing your swing. Let's go back to a sedentary lifestyle. If I've spent the last 40 years sitting at a desk, I will bet my house that you have weak glutes. Yeah. Because there's something called lower cross syndrome. So when you have tight hip flexors in the front, it creates weak glutes in the back. So it would be very, very difficult to fire your glutes if you have tight hip flexors and a lack of mobility in your hips. But to the point of, is it ever too late? Yes. The answer to that is 
No, it's Good. never too late. Never, never, never. You know, I had, I'll tell you another quick story. I had a gentleman that came to me and he had just retired. He had horrible back pain. His doctor told him to give up golf. He got very, very depressed because hmm. if you think about it, you know, you retire, you're pl playing golf with your friends every day. Yeah. You go out for dinner. You're talking about your round. He felt very isolated and depressed because yeah. he couldn't play. So there's a move that we do that I think all of your listeners can relate to. It's just called a cat cow. Yeah. So when you're on, you know, you're on your hands and your knees and you flex your spine towards the ground, like a, like the sway back of a cow. Right. And then you push your spine towards the ceiling, like a, like an angry cat on Halloween. Yes. Right. So that move is called a cat cow and it's a very, very effective move for golf for numerous reasons. Yeah. So I said to him, I said, Jim, okay, let me see you move into a cat cow. And literally Dean, his spine did not move. Okay. <laughs> it didn't move. Wow. And it was, I, I was, I'm like, Jim, move your spine. He said, I am. I said, no, actually you're not. Yeah. But I had him do, I gave him about five or six exercises to do five days a week that only took him 15 minutes. And in three months he was back playing golf. That's, that's impressive. And there's somebody that came in pretty, but pretty locked up. It sounds like in the beginning. Yeah. And he was, I think Jim was about 68 years old when mm -hmm. he came to me. So it's never too late. I think that's a tremendous theme for all senior golfers to be thinking about. As long as they don't have, let's say some major surgery or some sort of metal in their body that you need to work around. It sounds like almost at any age they can improve and they can improve in ways that'll help their golf game. Yes, definitely. Something else I want to talk about too that, that I think affects a lot of senior golfers that's not talked about enough in golf is foot function. Yeah, that's true. It's not. And it's not. And, and if you think about this, if you've had your feet in shoes for 50 years and you never walk around barefoot and there is what's called, there's in the ankle, there's something called dorsiflexion and plantar flexion. Hmm. So let's say dorsiflexion is when you're pulling your toes and you're your toes towards you and your heel away from you. That's dorsiflexion. Right. Plantar flexion is when you point your foot like a dancer, okay? Mm, okay? One of the reasons why proper foot function is so critical to a successful golf swing is because the kinematic sequence starts in the feet. Yeah. And so I have, I actually have a whole series of exercises that I do with my athletes that will help to increase ankle dorsiflexion and plantar flexion. Also to be able to create more strength in the arch of the foot. And here's the other thing. If you have flat feet, it's an immediate leak in the kinematic sequence, immediate leak of power if you have flat feet. And this is also the work that I do in Major League Baseball. And we can, you know, get to that too. But yeah. it is Major League Baseball, and which I've been doing this work for 16 years in baseball. A lot of the work that I do in baseball is similar to the work that I do in golf because the rotational aspect and the efficient kinematic sequence in golf and in baseball is identical. Yeah, a lot of transfer there in terms, of the, transfer. In terms of the motions, yeah. 100%, yep. So if you have, you, you mentioned flat feet, or flat feet you'd think would be almost somewhat the way you're built genetically. You can still do some things there to help them uh, increase their arch in a way to get better feel and better uh, kinematic sequence with the ground? Absolutely. And, you know, I have a client that I work with at True North. He's 77 years old. He he was an ex-marathon runner. He's lean, but extremely tight. And I've been working with David now for a couple of years. And his favorite thing to do is to show me how he can spread his toes wide. <laughs> and what he says to me, 
is that one of the biggest things yoga for golfers has done for him is he has better balance now. He never had good balance and now he can stand on, stand and balance on one foot. He can move dynamically in, on one foot. He's able to use the ground better. He's actually gained distance, almost 30 yards of distance back for a 77-year-old golfer is pretty significant. Amazingly significant. So fun, yeah. funny story on this end. I was at the Boeing Classic. I do that every couple of years. I've done it for the last couple of years, I should say. And I, I'm one of the tee box announcers starting the players. So I had a chance to meet Rocco Mediate. Uh-huh. And Rocco has a reputation, uh, but I wanted to confirm it, that he sometimes plays golf in his bare feet. So I think it's brilliant. I went up to him. I said, hey, Rocco, is it true that uh, you actually play golf in your bare feet? He goes, yeah, I do it all the time. He goes, when I'm not on the tour, I'm always playing bare feet. And I, I said, it. why? He goes, balance. He goes, yep. it's all about the balance for me. And he goes, I'd highly recommend it for anybody to do that. And that was about all the time I had to chat with him. But that stuck with me and I'm going to go out and try it. And now hearing what you're saying, maybe it's a must. Well, it's, it's also, it's balance is one thing for sure, but it also gives you a connection to feeling the ground. So believe it or not, your feet are a very important sensory organ that has a direct correlationship to the brain. And so I'll give you an example and I'll give you another baseball example. Yeah. One of the teams that I work with before we're getting ready to train them, they have a very long, it's like a long strip of material. I would say it's maybe 50 yards long and it's only as wide as, you know, as you can walk on it. And mm -hmm. on that piece of, on that strip, that 50 yard strip is grass, astroturf, rocks, pebbles, cement, sand, Okay, and they have their athletes walk barefoot up and down this 50 yard stretch hmm. because it's so important to wake up the foot function as a sensory organ. Yeah. And then when you go back to the kinematic sequence, again, it all starts in your feet. So it, it's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm one of the few people in golf, in golf fitness, and I'm definitely one of the few people in Major League Baseball that is really teaching the importance of foot function. Another thing, when you go back to looking at the body as a chain reaction, especially in the baseball side, you know, if I have an athlete that doesn't have good ankle dorsiflexion, it is a potential precursor for a hamstring injury. Because, but, but even if it's, even if it's not somebody that's doing any running or sprinting, it, again, if you think about the ability to use the ground and generate ground reaction forces in golf, it starts in your feet. So clarify again, dorsiflexion, what does that mean? So dorsiflexion, if you extend your leg and you pull your toes back towards you and your heel away from you, that's ankle dorsiflexion. And what you can do, like for the listener, if you just if you're just kneeling, okay, let's say you're kneeling and you bring your right you bring your right foot forward. So now your right knee is at a 90 degree angle. Yep. You simply drive your right knee over your toes as far yes. as you can dynamically, but your heel has to stay down. Stay on the ground, okay. But that's a very good way to increase ankle dorsiflexion. And you can do 10 to 20 of those reps a couple times a day. The other thing is to also work in plantar flexion. So you're pointing your toes and bringing your toes back towards you. And, and in the golf swing, if you think about plantar flexion, if you're a right-handed golfer, what is the position of your right foot in your finish position? Well, yeah, you're tapping your toe. Right. So it's getting into more of a plantar flexion. Hmm. So, but when you're at a dress, you're in dorsiflexion and the ankles, the ankles absolutely need to move in all planes of motion. 
So that's one other thing that, that I do that's very different. All of the methodologies are designed to move the athlete in triplane movement patterns. Okay. Talk a little bit about what that means. Okay. So there's three planes of motion that the body moves in. One is called the sagittal plane, this which is, is the, if I'm- This is in the golf swing, right? In the golf swing. Yeah. Okay, good. So in the golf swing. So one is the sagittal plane of motion, which means basically at the address position, I'm in the sagittal plane. My ankles are flexed. So it's flexion and extension. My ankles are flexed. My knees are flexed. Mm-hmm. My hips are flexed, right? right? Okay. Got so it. That's, sag- that's sagittal plane motion. Okay. Typically for golfers, they'll do a little bit of a lateral bend to the right before they begin, which is why a lot of golfers have a right shoulder lower than their left. Yeah. They bump that left hip just a little bit forward to, uh, to, towards the target. If they're exactly. right-handed, if they're right-handed, right. So anytime you're working in a lateral plane or going through what's called abduction, like let's say I'm going to take my right arm and I'm going to lift it to the right side of my body. That's abduction. That's away from my body. When I pull my arm towards my midline of my body, that's adduction. So that's the frontal plane of motion. The next plane of motion is called the transverse plane of motion, and that's anytime any joint or any joint is moving into rotation. So the golf swing moves the body in both sagittal, frontal, and transverse planes of motion, which is why our methodologies aren't necessarily one singular pose. It's movement patterns that move the body in all three planes of motion. That's also a big difference with what I do versus somebody just going to a yoga class. Yeah, yeah, you're making it much more specific to the golf game. It's 100% specific to the golf swing. So something you said earlier, Catherine, I want to I dive into this a little further. When you think of a lot of people, when they think of yoga, they think of poses. They think of poses that are designed to increase uh, flexibility and poses that are designed to treat a little balance. But your yoga for golf goes much further than that. You get into strength, you get into power, you get into mobility and stability. And by the way, as you're answering this question, you might clarify what the difference between flexibility and mobility is. But then also I wanted to take a dive into how yoga for golf can help build power when you're not actually lifting weights, which everybody associates power and strength with lifting weights. So let's let's ta- right. tackle those two broad questions. Okay, well, um, the first question, let's just talk about the strength for a second. And we touched on that in the beginning of the podcast, which is we're using your body weight against the force of gravity to create strength. Right. But let me give you, I'm gonna give you an example of an exercise that, that, we, that we do very often, which is very good for golf. And this is called a warrior three pose. Okay. Okay, so what you do is you're standing. Yeah. Okay, so you're standing up. Mm-hmm. You're going to bend your knees and sit back as if you're sitting into a chair. Okay. So let's say you're in and your feet are hip width apart. So you're in, this is called a chair pose. Yeah. Okay. And, and what I have my athletes do is feel the ground before they move at all. Then I have them pull the right knee up towards their chest. So they're balancing on their left leg with their left leg bent. Yeah. While they're, kind of, going, while they're kind of in a sitting, uh, sitting chair pose, right? Exactly. Okay. That's and a so tough what one. That's, it's a tough one, but what it's doing is it's strengthening the core, right? Yep. It's forcing single leg balance there and single leg glute activation. You're using the ground, okay? And then what you're doing is then from that position, then you would hinge. You're still balancing on your left leg. You take your right leg back behind you and you hinge your upper body down. Hmm. So you're basically looking like the letter T with the bottom leg bent. Got it. Okay. Now from there, I have them cross their hands over their chest and just rotate their upper body right and left a little bit. Now you can do this 
with the assistance of holding a club. You can do it with the assistance of holding on to, you know, the kitchen counter. You don't have to necessarily immediately go into doing it without any assistance. That goes back to the building blocks that we teach. Yes. But this is what I wanted to say. Let's say, let's say you're doing it. Let's say now we're going to, we're going to switch sides now and you're doing that on the right side. What I'm mimicking is I am mimicking the internal hip rotation of the right hip with the glute firing on the right side at the top of your backswing. Mm, right. So, so that's how you can cr- generate tremendous amount of power. Now, I also wanted to add here, this goes back to the power and the strength piece, is that there's only one time in the golf swing where your glutes are firing simultaneously. And that position is a dress right? As soon as you begin to, as soon as you begin your takeaway, you are now firing one glute more than the opposite. So at the top of your backswing, your right glute is much more fired than your left. And in your finished position, your left glute is much more fired than your right. Would you agree with that, Dean? I would. Right. So this is also why we do a lot of single leg work mm-hmm. with, with my athletes, mm. because it trains the, each glute to fire independently. And you know, I can't tell you how many emails and questions that I got when Tiger Woods said he can't fire his glutes. People were like, what, did, <laughs> what does that even, what does that even mean? Oh. But it really, but it really is a thing. And I work even a lot of my baseball players. I do a lot of single glute leg work because they need to learn how to fire their glutes independently. I also asked the question about the difference between mobility and flexibility, stability. You hear a lot of that in fitness and you talk about it. But a lot of people may not understand the difference. It's a very interesting question. And I have to say one that I don't think anyone's ever asked me, Dean. So well done. Okay. <laughs> Put that one in the plus column. You know, I think if you asked trainers this same question, you might have a different answer from every trainer. I think that when I'm looking at someone, there might be an assessment of what is their kind of overall flexibility. Mm-hmm. Versus what is a specific mobility of a joint? Yeah. Okay. There's a difference. So that, that's, that's kind of where I go with that. Yeah. And then, you know, stability is, are you able to create what we call dynamic stability? When you are moving dynamically, are your joints stable? Yeah. Okay. So, so that's how, that's how I assess that. And again, you know, when I'm working with my athletes, I always, always start out with an assessment Mm -hmm. and to the listeners, if you're working with a trainer that has not done a proper assessment on you, I would look for a new trainer. You have to have an assessment because you need to develop a baseline of where to go. And then also working with someone that continues to reassess you on a regular basis. For me, every movement pattern is an assessment. I'm never not assessing people. Even in the grocery store, Dean, I'm assessing people. And it drives my (laughs) husband crazy. It's hilarious. The first assessment that I do with all of my athletes is a gait assessment. Because I can actually tell what's going to happen in your golf swing by how you walk. Hmm. What do you you pick up in that? Well, for example, in a quote-unquote perfect world, when your right heel strikes the ground as you're propelling your body forward walking... Yeah. And then your left leg, your trail leg is propelling forward. Yeah. There should be an efficient chain of events in the kinetic chain yeah. known as your body so that the hips should go through internal and external rotation. The T-spine should be moving. The arms should be freely swaying, you know, moving back and forth. Right. Every time I do an assessment with an athlete, the first thing I do is I watch their gait. So if I'm watching their gait and their right hip is not going through an efficient internal to then external rotation on their right side, 
I'm pretty sure that that guy is going to sway in his backswing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Makes sense. So part of your assessment would be doing something as simple as watching them walk. Always watching them walk. And, and again, back to the foot function, I need to see how their foot function is. If they have poor foot function, it is most of the time going to negatively impact everything moving up the kinetic chain of the body. All seniors, they, they complain about them losing distance. And there's lots of reasons for it. But certainly part of it is, is they're not able to get that rotational speed that they used to have when they were younger. I'm curious about your views on that and how yoga potentially can help build a little more rotational speed. Well, one of the things that I see as a common theme with my senior golfers is what's called C posture. Mm, okay. And C posture refers to kyphosis, a kyphotic thoracic spine, meaning that if I look at someone and they're in their address position, their thoracic spine, which is their mid and upper back, looks right. like the letter C. Yes. Like a little humpback, you know, rounded yep. shoulders, especially yeah. for ath my athletes who have been sitting for 40 years. So back to your question about rotational power and just rotation in general. If I have a kyphotic thoracic spine and I present with the C posture, it will make it incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to get the proper shoulder to hip disassociation. And that rotational speed or power comes from many places. I'm not suggesting that it's just this one area. But if I can't create proper shoulder to hip disassociation, my golf swing is going to look like I'm turning in one piece. And if I'm turning in one piece, then I'm not getting that proper separation. I'm not going to be able to get a, an efficient sequence because my body is moving in one piece versus my shoulders separating from my hips. Right. So like, here's a very, here's a really good example of one of the yoga. It's a, it's a Catherine Roberts variation on a yoga pose. Okay. And what it does is really, this is designed, this is designed to help create more shoulder to hip disassociation. So let's say, for example, I am, um, I'm lying on my side. I'm lying on my right side, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And my head is supported by a pillow. So my neck is in, my cervical spine is in line with the rest of my spine. Okay. My arms are reaching out so they are perpendicular to my body. My palms are together. I'm lying on my right side. Yes. Okay. Legs are straight. My, my legs are straight. My left leg is up towards my body. My right leg is straight down. So if you were okay. to look at my legs from above, it would look like the letter L. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now I'm going to dorsiflex my ankles. My hands are together. Okay. As I inhale, I'm going to bring my left arm open behind me. So I'm opening my chest mm -hmm. to the ceiling. And then as I exhale, I bring it back. Yeah. Right. Yes. So what that does is that can help for people with kyphotic thoracic spine or a C posture, it helps create more mobility in that thoracic spine. And that combined with some other, um, you know, poses that we use can create more of that shoulder to hip disassociation. And that can, that can assist with rotation. Okay. So just being able to get better uh, disassociation will enable you in swinging a club, which, you know, has weight and centrifugal force, you'll be able to get more speed, rotational speed. In some way. Uh, you should be, you should be able to, but the other thing that I would say is critical to layer into that is that single leg glute strength. Yeah, never forget the glutes. But I also hear you referring to athletes and senior athletes. So can seniors, 60s, 70s, maybe even heading into 80s, still kind of be athletic in their movements through yoga? 
Yes. You know, there's a gentleman named Bill Bowerman who was the co-founder of Nike. And he had, he had a great saying, which said, if you have a body, you're an athlete. I, re- I refer to all of my golfers, regardless of age or capability as athletes. If you, ha- if you have a body, you're an athlete. And I think, I, I think it's important to be very mindful of our inner dialogue. You know, this also comes back to, to yoga concepts, things like it's too late. My body won't change. It'll never be different. You know, my mom, my mom is 92 years old. And my mom still works out with a trainer three days a week. Awesome. One piece of advice that you'd give to senior golfers, men and or women, uh, that would help them immediately uh, with the concepts and, and methodologies you teach? I think to really embrace this statement, which is adherence over duration is most important. Mm-hmm. So by that, I mean do something 15 minutes a day, five days a week, instead of waiting to do a two hour workout on a Sunday. Got it. Because I can tell you, especially for my senior golfers, if they adhere to a very short program, they will see benefits. And when I do, I do a lot of FaceTime training with my athletes. I have clients all over the world. I've been training for years. I've never met in person. And, and, and what I do is I, I do an assessment on them. I look at their golf swing, like I said, driver, seven iron, and putter face on and down the line. Mm-hmm. I will very often talk to their golf coach to find out what the golf coach is trying to work on with them. And then I give them, oh, this is all done over FaceTime. Yeah. I take them through a, I take them through a short workout. Uh, I use my phone and I will record maybe seven or eight exercises. It's no more than that. And then that goes up onto my app that I use. And then that way they have seven or eight exercises that should take no more than 15 to 20 minutes that's very specific to their specific need. So that ties back to adherence over duration. You know, I'm not, listen, I do this for a living and I've been doing it for many, many years. I'm not going to do something that takes two hours, but I will do something that takes 15 or 20 minutes. Absolutely. I, yeah, that's a, a big uh, objection I often hear from my fellow seniors is that, uh, you know, I just can't commit. I can't, it's too much time or I ought to do better. But 15 minutes is not asking too much uh, if, you, no, it's if not. you can stick to that consistently five times yeah, a that's week. Why, and that's why, again, you know, with the private clients that I use, that I, that I work with, the programs usually are just like a 15 to 20 minute workout that I provide them. That's also why in all of our instant videos, Dean, we have them separated into like dynamic warm-ups, standing and power poses, you know, core posture, that kind of thing. Because if and and the, the videos we have, there isn't one that's longer than thirty-five minutes. But if somebody only has ten minutes, they can just do the dynamic warm-up before they go out to play. They don't have to do the whole workout. Yeah, just uh, stick with that as a minimum. At, at yeah. a minimum. Yeah. Very fascinating discussion, Catherine. A lot of value here for our senior audience. And how do they get in touch with you? What would you recommend uh, the best way to do that if they want to work with you further? Sure. Well, um, if you go to yoga for F-O-R, golfers.com, you can contact me through there um, or just Catherine at yoga for golfers.com. Shoot me an email. Every time I get an email for someone that has a question, I will pick up the phone and I will call you to find it, you know, to get more clarity about what you're looking to accomplish you know, I'm here to be of service. So anything that I can do to help the listeners, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to do it.
And while uh, they might love to come down to Arizona to work personally, it sounds like they can do this remote and it can be just as effective. They can do it remotely. And the other thing is if they are uh, a member of a club, I travel all over the world working at clubs with their memberships and their golf hmm. pros. So hmm. if they're interested in bringing me personally to their club, mm -hmm. that's something that we can do as well. Or they can work one-on-one -on -one with me virtually. Interesting. Well, that's, that gives a lot of a lot of different options there. Terrific. Sure. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for taking the time. Glad to have you on the show. And I uh, can't wait to get this episode published so our listeners can take full advantage of it. Sounds great. Thanks, Dean. Well, I hope all you listeners enjoyed today's episode on yoga, golf, fitness. Fitness is certainly a big part of golf, no matter what the age. And I was inspired by what Catherine shared, that we are all golf athletes. Boy, that sounds pretty cool. And we are never too old to change. So a big shout out goes out to those of you providing comments on my website, theseniorgolferadvisor.com. Remember, this topic on fitness and flexibility came through you, the listener, and it was your request. We are beginning to see a movement now within the senior golfer community. Well, maybe not quite a movement, but we are definitely growing, and we are starting to see senior golfer listeners coming in from all over the world. So please continue to go to my website, and under the Contact Dean tab, leave a comment or a request. I promise I will get right back to you. Or you can go to Facebook and search the Senior Golfer Advisor and leave a comment or request there. Again, thanks to all of you for listening, and remember, keep swinging. <laughs>